and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 15 and it is called Old Dog New Tricks. Come on in, how are you all doing? I hope you're very well and that you've had a great month. It's been a slightly longer time since I recorded because um, the last Friday was the 31st. Um, which means that this will go out on the 7th. So I've had a slightly extended period before I went in to record it. Sunday the 2nd of April, it's absolutely glorious outside. Um, spring is definitely upon us. Uh, the sun is shining, the birds are tweeting. I could hear earlier the buzzard overhead and the woodpeckers have been going for it in the woods at the back of the house. Um, and it just, it just feels so lovely and there's a bit of heat in the sun as well so it's fab. That said I have got rather a lot to get through today and I want to get through it and get out into that sunshine if I can go for a nice walk with um, Matthew although I'm quite pleased to be out of the house because um, Matthew now works most of a Sunday which is quite frustrating more so for him than me um, but he's taking a little break and he's playing the guitar and Matthew's learning a couple of new songs. Um, he's doing Guns N' Roses, but also 21 Pilots, which is, you know, great that he's learning new stuff. He's very proficient on guitar, electric and acoustic. What that actually means is that I hear him playing the same song again and again and again and again, and it just drives me around the twist. Usually I shut the kitchen door and sit and do my crafting with my music on, but you can still hear it floating through. And he's in there playing 21 Pilots and I'm out here podcasting, which is a you know, light relief from what's going on in the house. And the cat, Pom Pom, glorious day outside. Where's he? He's on the bed, stretched out like, it's winter, I'm not coming out to play today. So there will be no sign of Pom Pom because, you know, the bed clearly is the place that he needs to be today. If you wanted to look for the show notes for the podcast, they are at thecrochetcircle.podbean.com. Really comprehensive sets of photos and notes, all of the links to patterns, to yarns, everything that I'm using and talking about throughout the show, you can find it all there. Um, if you're on Instagram, you might want to follow the podcast on Instagram and that is crochet underscore circle underscore podcast um, and on Ravelry you can find us as the Crochet Circle podcast group and just wonderful wonderful interaction on Instagram and Ravelry so they're the, the two main areas where you can find me um, and I also wanted to just say a quick thank you I put the call out last time and I put out Dopio Coliseum as a pattern and the response to it was absolutely amazing thank you very very much to everybody that bought that um, at the discounted rate. I think I'm going to keep on doing that so that if you're a podcast listener, you get a nice kickback if you like the pattern that I'm putting forward for that month. I've got a few more that you will see that I've been working on, um, but I'm not at the point of having those patterns out and ready, and I'll announce that in a future podcast when they're ready to go. Um, I'd like to have had one of them ready for this podcast, but the reality is I'm getting ready for a show to vend it at Wonderful Wales, which is on the 22nd and 23rd of April. And it's quite an undertaking to get to the point where you're ready to 
go to a show, have your wares ready, have your stand idea and design ready. So that's really what I'm focusing in on at the moment. And uh, yeah, if you're coming to Wonderwell, come and say hello. I'm in Hall 1 in Stand H2. Just if you're coming from the main entrance, you'll see me just before you see John and Juliet Arbin. There are a couple of rows along. Come and say hi, I would love to meet you all. Um, it's just really nice to be able to put names to faces and to meet people that are part of the Crochet Circle community. And um, on that, I, I, I suspect that quite a few of you are buying stuff from me and um, from my company, which is knittedhookercrafted.com. Uh, the links are always in the show notes. Um, but I don't necessarily know that it's you until it's too late and I find out afterwards when I've sent your parcel off because I know lots of you by your Ravelry name or your Instagram name but don't necessarily know which country you live in and um, what your address is or what your last name is. So um, what I would like to do is if you're a listener or a watcher and you buy something from me at Knit It, Hook It, Craft It, then just drop, there's um, an area where you can leave a message. Just say something like, I'm a listener, or I listen to the podcast, or um, pod tribe. Put something in like that, be part of the pod tribe, and let me know, and I will put a little something extra in your parcel just to say hello. It won't be anything expensive. It's, it's not like a big, big gesture, but it's just something that says, hello. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> um, so yeah, just drop me a little line when you put in an order and then I will be able to send a little extra in your um, parcel. A good for instance, Rachel put an order in and I didn't know, um, Rachel, I didn't know it was you until like, a couple of days later, otherwise I would have, you'd have got a little extra in your parcel. So yeah, drop me a line, don't be embarrassed about it. I want to make the connections between me and anyone who watches and listens and anyone who supports my company as well, I want that connection to be um, as kind of two-way as it can be. So yeah, that's that's what I want. I'm, I'm, it's a way of thanking you for supporting me and supporting the podcast. So One other thing. Just one more thing. <laughs> I just want to test this and see what your reaction um, to it is. If you think it's a good idea, leave me a message on any of the platforms. I'm, I'm just intrigued to know if this is something that you would like to happen. A lot of um, crochet circle people live abroad or live in a rural location or have got partners or other commitments, whether that's through illness or family or many other things, which means that they can't get out to a local crafting session whether that's a regular um, crochet and knitting night or any kind of a session like that, even training sessions, they don't have um, the ability to get out and be part of the community that way, which is why things like podcasts and Instagram and Ravelry are so important to them. So I was thinking about this and wondering how I can increase the connection with people and in particular for the people that don't have a local crafting group that they can go to. Um, and I was also talking with Clarissa Beth from the Crochet Cakes um, podcast on YouTube. And I think we have formulated a plan whereby I can create, um, I don't want to call them crochet nights or knit nights because 
anybody of any craft would be welcome to come along and be part of it. I don't want to say you can only crochet. But the idea is to hold on Google, so using Google Hangout, to hold um, craft nights, which I think, I think they will be called Global Hookups. And the idea is that I find a time of day, so it might be at the moment it looks like the most suitable time, is maybe 8pm on a Saturday night, let's say. And for an hour to an hour and a half, there will be a few people that are in the actual Google Hangout where we can talk with each other. And then I think the way that it works is as many people as like can dial in essentially free of charge to that um, session and they can hear what's going on and what people are talking about um, within the, the core set of people. And I'm thinking that with the use of potentially Ravelry and Instagram as well, if we ran it with a specific hashtag, then lots of people could also be interactive with it and feel part of a global crafting session. And if I did it at eight o'clock on a Saturday night, then that means the good folks in Australia could be part of it on the Sunday morning, be quite early, but also then the people in Canada, America, Clarissa Bitt and Puerto Rico could all be part of it on their Saturday during the day as well. So it seems like a good timeline for lots of people being able to come in and be part of a global hookup. Let me know what you think. Is it something that is worth me continuing with? Um, yeah, just let me know. I'm thinking an hour to an hour and a half tops and the idea is that you can dip in and dip out. You don't have to be there let's say if you're in the UK at eight o'clock and if you've got to go and like go out for dinner or do something then you can just come out of the session so it's not it's not a really formal thing but it is just a way of you being able to be part of the wider community and um, focus in with other other people and see what they're doing. Let me know if it's something that you're interested in and then after Wonder Woman, I will put a bit more effort into that and try and get it lifted off. But Clarissa Beth is definitely interested and I love this idea of maybe having podcasters all over the world as part of the global hookup session and then loads of other people globally being able to come in and be part of that craft along session um, once a month potentially. I'm quite excited about it and I'm, I'm hoping that you guys are as well and it's something that you're interested in. So yeah, let me know, YouTube comment, Ravelry, Instagram, whichever way you want to message me. Uh, let me know whether it's something for you or not. So let's crack on into it. I said last time that every time I do ye crochet or knee crochet, it's generally, well it is, it's always a ye crochet because there's always something good to be taken from a situation. Um, and what I'm going to do is actually rename Ye Crochet to Old Dog New Tricks and it's, um, it will become a segment, as it always kind of has been, whereby I talk about something that I've learned and it's a new tip and trick that I can pass on to you guys. And so the session today on Old Dog New Tricks is really about how different crafts can help you to get better at your what maybe your dominant craft. And the example here is that um, some people on Instagram had shown how they crochet, and everybody has their own crochet technique, 
and I'd said, oh, I don't crochet like that at all. And it's one of the reasons I'm quite a slow crocheter. And um, they'd come back and said, well, how do you crochet? So I put a video up and, um, you know, the comments on that video about how different people crochet and how some people had never seen the way that I do it because I hold the hook and the yarn in my right hand as if I'm knitting and I crochet as I knit, which is to flick, which is the English um, style rather than continental or Norwegian. But that does mean that I can be quite a lot slower at crocheting because I'm doing everything with my one dominant hand. What I do feel is that that gives me fairly decent tension across the piece. Um, it doesn't often sway, although it did with one of my um, recent projects, but for a different reason. Um, but it does mean that I'm slower than most people when it comes to crochet. And I have tried and tried and tried to crochet holding the yarn in my left hand and it just doesn't, it doesn't click. I managed it in the first session when I was learning and when I came back the next week it just, it wasn't there and I couldn't do it and Lynn suggested that I hold the, the yarn and the hook in a slightly different fashion and did it all in my right hand and that was it and I was away. But I'm so very aware of the fact that I have a lot of crocheting to do both for um, for the podcast, for work and for pleasure. And I want to be speedy at it because I want to have a really decent throughput of projects. And so what I did was I signed up for a continental knitting and freelance course. Now, this is for multiple reasons. I did want to learn continental and I want to get better at freelance, partly because that also means that I can improve my crochet colour work as well. But the main reason for doing it was to make me and it really did make me hold the yarn in my left hand and um, make sure that I understood how to do continental knitting, which means holding it in your left hand um, and being able to dig to pick up the, the yarn to take off the stitch. And what I've tried to learn in the past, I've probably done it for about 10 minutes. Um, and what I mean by doing it in the past, I mean both continental knitting and going back to my crochet style and trying to hold the yarn in my left hand. And after about 10 minutes, I've just gone, no, I don't like it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to stick to what I know. So instead, I booked onto this course. It was up at Black Sheep Wools and it was a full day's course with a um, really lovely tutor called Juliet Bernard. Um, some of you may have heard of Juliet. She's very well established and great tutor. And what I was looking forward to in particular was having somebody that could look over my shoulder and say, you're doing that correctly. Have you tried this? What about this technique? Because there never is just one technique for doing something. And that's what Juliet showed me. But the thing that I found most beneficial for me was that I had to sit there for a day and do continental knitting. So there was no point in paying um, the money that I'd paid to, after 10 minutes, say, I don't like it, I'm not doing it. And that longer period of continental knitting for a full day means that I have trained my left hand to accept yarn um, and I did more on it yesterday. So slowly but slowly I'm, I'm nowhere near as speedy holding it in my left hand um, as I am with my right but I just need to keep on trying with that process and seeing where I get to it. So what I would say is if, if you want to change the way that you crochet it could be worth looking at a completely different technique for a completely different craft to see whether that could help you on the, the next one or looking at how other people do 
that craft. So when I put it out on Instagram, there's a really lovely lady called Teddy that came back to me and she said, I've never, I've never seen anybody crochet like that, but she suffers with arthritis in her left thumb. And so she's been practicing over the last few days. And what she's found is that when her thumb is hurting, she wants to continue to crochet. If she holds the yarn and the hook in her right hand, then she can continue to crochet. Which I think is fabulous that by somebody just showing how they do their craft, it's opened up another area for her to be able to continue to do a craft that she really, truly loves. Um, so if you're maybe in the same position and you get hand strain, it might be worth trying the, another technique. And there are so many different ways to hold a hook, to hold the yarn, to um, position the yarn, to hold it left or hold it right. It might just be worth trying a, a different technique to see if that works for you. And of course, accepting that you're going to be slower at first. There were parts on Friday where I was thinking, oh, I just want to be fast at this. I just, I want to get this done and I want to be finished. And, um, you know, that's me just setting unrealistic goals on myself. But oh, even I could see the difference even yesterday morning when I finished off the, the project that I was working on in class. And I've, I've got it, it's there, it's imprinted in my memory. And I'm going to now just keep on slowly, bit by bit, transferring that into the way that I crochet. Um, I started doing it on one of my whips, which I'll show you, and I'll talk about it when I get to that whip. Um, but I've managed to speed up an entire row of my crochet because I learned continental knitting. Fabulous. It makes me so pleased that I'm still learning and that um, a simple change of technique can really move my development along. So, happy, happy lady, um, because I got to sit and craft for an entire day and I've got better at something. Very pleased. So, a quick update on the Tunisian cow. There are so many beautiful things being made in this crochet along and, again, that thing of people developing a new skill and a new set of techniques and just lovely to see the different yarns that people are using, the new patterns that people are attempting and bringing new pattern ideas to the Ravelry group as well. It's been a fantastic cow so far and it's ongoing. It finishes on the 16th of April. So if you've been following it or this is news to you, um, you still have time to knock up a quick Tunisian crochet project. I would say if it's something that you're interested in, go to the Ravelry group. It is called the Crochet Circle Podcast on Ravelry. Join the group and you will see a thread which is all about the Tunisian cow. There's lots and lots of information. People have been so helpful with each other. The community has really helped people through problems. We've had curly bottoms. We've had um, patterns that people weren't sure about, colour combinations that people weren't sure about, people not sure about their tension, where they should be putting their final stitch before they do the return pass. And there's just been so much help and involvement in that thread from other members and from Sol, who's been our kind of Tunisian tutor on this one. Um, so go and have a look at that because you you would still have time. A week is enough to fire through a Tunisian crochet project, even if you're absolutely brand spanking new to it. And also have a look at the hashtag on Instagram, which is TCC Tunisian Cal for some inspiration. Absolutely beautiful things going on in there. Um, uh, of which I, my plan is to do exactly the same as I did for the Christmas cow 
and pull together a video with all of the prize selections and everybody's finished objects and pop that up onto YouTube. I think it's a really nice thing to do because lots of people put a great amount of effort into doing a crochet along or a knit along and it's just a way of me giving a little bit of appreciation back and saying thank you. I will put the time and effort into making the video and, and name checking the people that have made the items. So um, yeah, my plan is to do that, but it might be um, off to Wonderful Wales, which I'm vending at. Uh, so I'm leading into a very busy time at the moment. So I can't quite believe we're in April already. And I don't think it's next weekend, but the weekend after is Easter weekend. I'm sure it was just January last week. Like I'm sure New Year's was just last week. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like that, that you're, you're all sat there nodding, saying, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it feels like it only just turned to 2017 and we're already a quarter of the way through it. Oh well. <laughs> so let's move on to whips. So I'm trying to work outside of those standard colours that are my real go-to colours. And the colours that um, Saul had used for her version of the Acaso shawl, she's the designer, it's a really beautiful rust and a nice steely grey colour. And I love them. It would be very easy for me to just pick them up as my colours as well. And um, I had a skein that I got from the sock club of Life in the Long Grass. And I just, you know, I really was not keen on it. There was, there's quite a bright, almost luminous green in it. It's aptly named chlorophyll, but I thought I'm going to use you because you're you need to be used and I don't know what other project I would use you for and I should know this like I'm not stupid I should know that the minute you cake up a skein of yarn sorry for the clunking the minute you cake up a skein of yarn it is a completely different proposition so I really didn't like the skein but I really love what's going on when it's caked up as a ball of yarn it's just more subtle, it's got really beautiful lilac areas in it and quite a nice bright orange, which means that I then paired it up with a very bright rusty orange wool um, for the stripe effect. And I love this project. This is, it's so far out of my comfort zone when it comes to colours. And I'm going to wear this with pride because it is just, absolutely beautiful um the the striping is really nice and the fact that you've in with the greens you've got the same pretty much the exact same rust colored tone as some of the flakes and the contrast is really very apparent which is something that i don't i don't often do i, I tend to be more subtle in my choices um but i, I can't wait to get this off the tunisian hook and get it around my neck, basically. But I would say it's a really lovely pattern, um, but I am now at 200 and, I think I've got 277 stitches on it, and the striping repeats go up to 329. I've got 14 of those repeats almost finished, and I need to do 17 in total. And at the moment, one row and a return pass is taking me half an hour. So to be able to do 
the four rows, which is essentially two of each colour. That takes me two hours now to, to get that little amount done. Um, so I'm pleased that I'm nearly at the end of the stripes and then the pattern changes a little bit again for the border and it's a faster stitch um, for the border. So I am absolutely loving it, but it feels like it's quite slow progress to get this to the point where you think, oh, I've done another stripe repeat in both of the colours. But I sat yesterday and I did, I think I did two stripe repeats in each colour. So I must have sat for about four hours on this yesterday. I had a bit of a chill out day yesterday. It was glorious. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm loving this whip. It will most certainly be finished for next time I record because I have to have this finished for the 16th of April. <laughs> I'm very much of the opinion that if I'm setting up a crochet along or some kind of a craft along, then I have to be present in that also and I want to make sure that I've got finished objects and if anything probably what I'm more likely to do is try and rush ahead so that I can then give people technical support because I've already lived and breathed that pattern and I can tell them if there was an issue with it or if I had any little tips and tricks I could share with them um, but yeah I, I'm definitely of the opinion that if you run a crochet along or a knit along then you should have finished objects at the end of it um, so this this will be finished in time for the 16th of April and again I've got um, pattern notes already up on that for Ravelry and whip number two I found a page for that is actually a new design that I'm working on but I can show you because I'm not that far into it and I'm not that precious about not showing you what I'm up to with the designs it's a bag and you may have heard me bleating on about how excited I am to be able to get my hands on John Arvin Devonia which he launched, which they launched, John and Juliet launched at Edinburgh Yarn Festival which has just gone. So Devonia is beautiful. I'll give you the blurb on the back. It is 100% sourced and spun in Devon. So it's 50% Exmoor Blueface, 30% Blueface Lesser, and 20% Wensleydale. And then in brackets it says 100% Devon Rule. <laughs> um, and that is 388 metres per 100 grams. And I'm going to properly review this when I have finished working with it. Um, and I will test it, wash it, block it, check out for dye, bleed, all of those good sorts of things that I always do for a yarn review. I can tell you that I love it. That's one thing I can definitely confirm. This isn't like Merino soft wool, as you would expect from me. That's, that's not my go-to place. This is a really beautiful structured wool and by structured what I mean is it is soft it's it's not butter soft but it's got an airiness to it a loftiness to it but it's a very stable yarn and I think if I can what I mean is there's not a lot of give the way it's plied and so it's absolutely perfect for things where you need it to be a little harder wearing I think like a bag so I have the beginnings of the bottom of a crocheted bag 
which I'm doing with colour work, um, crochet. And it's going to be quite a large bag by the time I've finished, maybe about 30 centimetres tall by about 25 centimetres wide. So it's quite a substantial um, undertaking. And this is just the perfect wool for it. It's absolutely spot on. Um, because it's got that structure, it's got that hardiness to it. So it can take being flung about. And if you were to use merino to make a bag, it would pull very easily um, and it would show signs of wear quite quickly. Whereas a, a wool like this is far, far hardier and more likely to withstand a bit of wear and tear and still look good years down the line. So it's one of the reasons I've been desperate to get my hands on this yarn is because actually this this bag design and construction has been in my head for about three months now. I didn't want to make it with anything other than Devonia. So yeah, the colours I've got are Ocean Rain and I think it is, let's check my notes, Ocean Rain and Amber Blaze. And I put this out on Instagram and said, which colours? It has to be the Ocean Rain which other colour should I use and um, I'd put it up against a mustard and a maroony colour and the amber blaze is the one that came back as definitely being the most popular. So that's what I'm working on. I ask the questions and you help me decide which colour combinations I should go to. Moving on to FOs. When I recorded last time I was close to finalising quite a few of my projects. Um, so one of the projects that I had been working on was my stream jumper. It's a pattern by Isabel Kramer and it's a knitted project that I've been working on. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. If you were looking at starting a knitted garment for the first time, a lot of people use tin can knits as their go-to people because of the size ranges that they do and the clarity of their patterns. I've done a couple of tin can knit patterns and I can see that is absolutely the case. Um, I'm not always, their style isn't always my style and hence I started to look for other patterns that were striped in particular and I happened across Isabel Kramer's and I'm in, I'm in love. Their, her patterns are extremely well written um, there's not a wasted word in the pattern, they're really clear and not page upon page upon page and um, I just really love the final projects that she comes up with as well. Her designs are simple but effective and she goes through a range of sizes I would say from kind of extra small through to an extra large. Um, so I'll pop some photos up. There's already a Ravelry project page for this one. And it was one that I also did for a knit along. There was um, the designs for Isabel Kramer group on Ravelry. They were doing a third anniversary um, knit along for any of her designs. And I entered my stream for that. Um, it's really nice on. It's kind of lightweight because I've done it in four ply, which is what the pattern calls for. But yeah, if you're thinking about doing a jumper or some form of garment check out Isabel Kramer's stuff it's all on Ravelry and I didn't make any real changes other than I added a little tab to the sleeves 
um, which allows me to then just keep the sleeves off if, if I want them up and out the way or I can um, remove the bottom from the tab and get my full length sleeves but other than that didn't require any changes for the pattern and there are some really clever techniques that she uses that I've not seen anybody else use um, I won't go into the detail because it was a paid for pattern I think this pattern was £6 it was worth every pound it really was, it was a great pattern um, and what you will see from the photos if you look at the show notes and if you're watching this as a video is I'm clearly on a good old mustard kick because mustard is just everywhere in what I've been doing partly because I don't like to waste yarn and so the um, the yarn that I've been using for my stream jumper the Isabel Crane Rollin that I've just been talking about left me with some decent sized um, meterage on the mustard that I used at the top and also the speckled yarn which was my life in the long grass and as you're all aware I've been designing up different bits and pieces um, and so what I wanted to use do was try and recreate some of those patterns in different yarns to see if it led to a different stitch count or different textures or different techniques and um, so one of the patterns that I showed off last time I've actually just redone in different colours and using different yarns and it does indeed definitely change the number of chains that you need to work on um, so that's that's been a really good exercise for me to see how different it is um, so I have done a hat which I really like and again this is just with little scraps of sock yarn that we had left over and so therefore I then also did a pair of mittens that match the hat and again in the same um, same yarns this is like the never-ending the speckled in particular the life in the long grass is like the never-ending ball of yarn it just keeps on giving I still have some left now even though I've done a jumper or part of a jumper a pair of mittens a hat and I knitted a pair of socks using it as well and I've still got some left it just it, it just won't go, it won't die it keeps on going so yeah I've I've been on a little bit of a mustard kick of late um, I'll put all of the details for these projects in the show notes but the hat and the mittens are going to be a paid for pattern because um, I put quite a lot of time effort and energy into them um, I also have a second pair of socks which I will um, go through now now when I was at Edinburgh Yarn Festival um, Clarissa Beth gave me 50 grams of yarn that she had dyed and it is the most beautiful pale peachy pink colour and she's actually dyed it using avocado stones I love, I really love the subtlety that you get with using natural elements to dye yarn and this is such a beautiful soft colour and the 50 grams, I um, it was a sock wool that she dyed up and I was desperate to make a pair of socks with it so what I've actually done is paired it up with West Yorkshire Spinner's um, signature four ply 
which is 75% wool, 25% nylon, and this is the colour poppy seed. Again, all the details will go into the show notes. But by using the West Yorkshire spinners for the cuff and the toe and some striping throughout and some very specific yarn management, I was actually able to knit these up with the 50 grams from Clarisabeth. And I have, I think, 30 centimetres of yarn left and that is it. I was sweating yarn chicken um, yesterday morning when I was finishing these socks off because I thought I wasn't going to get the final couple of rounds in for the final sock at the toes but I managed it and I have this tiny, teeny tiny little bit left. Um, so yeah, I'm so chuffed about that and I just, I love the colour and I, I also, you know, I love the fact that um, Clarissabeth very kindly passed me some of her hand-dyed yarn. It's not something that she does for a living. She just, I think, um, I think her mum had given her a kit for her birthday or Christmas at some point and they'd been saving up avocado stones, um, which are local to them. And so she'd used that as the, the dye content. Really beautiful socks and they're special to me because they were given to me by Elizabeth and um, I got to meet her and I've managed to make socks out of it. So warm fuzzy feeling for those fellows. So that was two pairs of socks, one pair not mustard, a hat, a pair of mittens, We'll come, we'll come back, there's just so much stuff. Um, I also worked on another design. Now this is a, a yarn that I got at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and they were new to me. I think they were new to an awful lot of people to be honest. Um, the company is called Iona Wool. And what they do is really very, very specific. They are based on the island of Iona which is in Scotland, west of Scotland. And what they do is they select different fleeces from the island. They work with crofters and farmers and they select the fleeces and then they send it off for spinning. Now don't quote me on this, but I'm fairly sure that it goes to Huddersfield for spinning. I don't think that's done on the island. Um, but the the information wasn't um, all on the website, so that's the deduction that I've done on it. And then they have a different set of colours that they work to, and it's all in DK or Aran weight. And what I really liked, I went onto the website this morning, they've given you some really nice tables of how much you would potentially need in each weight, depending on whether you were going to knit rather than crochet, but it still gives you a good indication how much you would need if you're making a child's garment or a hat or a pair of mittens or a woman's garment and the different sizes or a man's garment. I've never seen a wool brand do that before and I, th I thought that was really sensible and really very helpful. So I was totally inspired when I got this back from Edinburgh Yarn Festival and I did a bit of digging around on the island of Iona and of course it's the seat of Christianity it's got all sorts of religious um, connotations. Now, I am not a religious person, but I can appreciate the architecture and the place that religion has in other people's lives and hearts. Um, 
And so when I started doing Google image searches on Iona, what was apparent was how many churches there were and some of the beautiful stained glass windows that you have on the island in the churches. And that then um, inspired me to come up with a design which is loosely based on the idea of church windows um, for a cowl. Now the two colours I've got are quite a bright mustardy colour, what a surprise, and quite a bright um, blue. And again, I'll put all of the links into the into the show notes. Now I don't think that they have, um, I don't think they've given the colours names, but I think they only have maybe eight or ten different colours anyway. So if you wanted to go and have a look, um, it's very easy to find the stuff that I've been working with. Now this, again, it's a wool that is full of character. It's it's not your soft, soft wool because that's not what particularly interests me. It was exceptionally good for colour work um, in, in crochet and also in, um, like if you're doing colour work in knitting as well, it would be perfect for that. And it was really lovely to work with. This is very quick to crochet up. And what it's now done is inspired me to use up maybe one of my precious skeins of yarn, which is a lot more speckled. And if you introduce that where the mustard colour is, if you look at the photos in the show notes, then it really would become a stained glass window. Stained glass, stained, fennel tea, tongue twister. A stained glass window, and I might have picked out a, a very precious but beautiful skein of hedgehog fibres that I have in DK. I just need to match that up to another merino. But I will then remake this cowl, and I'm also going to make a longer version of it as well, so double the length, so you can double twist it and pop it over your neck. So yeah, that was, I felt quite chuffed about that because I got the wool in and specifically bought it at Edinburgh Yarn Festival with a design in mind, which means I'm allowed, and the design is already there, written up, and Lynn is currently tech editing it for me, and possibly as we speak, because she's working today. So another finished object, done. I should have also mentioned that the, um, the mustard coloured socks that I did were for another sock along it was a knit along that um nathan the sock competition was doing i like to support other podcasters and when i can i like to be able to be part of their crochet alongs or sock alongs or knit alongs or whatever it is it's just a nice way of um being able to put information out about the fact that they are running an along of some form and also it's a nice way of creating more connections within the community. So I generally try to do quite a few um, quite a few of those. And the next thing that I want to go through is another one of those. So it's a really lovely laced shawl that I was doing, which is it's called I always get this wrong. Marshmallow ha <laughs> I can't talk. It's called Marshmallow Hot Chocolate Shawl. Um, this is part of a knit along that the Olin and girls are doing. And I'll talk about them at the really at the end when I do big up because I want to really point you towards those two. 
And I, the pattern calls for some add-in weight and I happen to have some Donegal tweed which I thought was just perfect because uh, Laura and Deirdre from Ollen and are based in Ireland so I thought it was nice that I had a, a kind of Irish connection with the yarn that I was using and also it was just one of those big random skeins that I had sat in my stash that I thought well do you know what let's put it to good use um, so it's a beautiful deep purple colour with really nice contrasting but um, suitable nip colours so the nips are a bright red there's a bright blue there's a kind of mustard yellow <laughs> there's some teal in there just really nice coloured nips and then when I looked further in my stash because I needed a second yarn um, a yarn B and I found that I had 50 grams of um, a lighter more mauvey colour and that was Debbie, Gl Debbie Bliss Donegal Aran Tweed which also is made in Ireland. So for the Olin and Knit Along for the Marshmallow Hot Chocolate Shawl, I was able to use Irish yarns and the pattern is done by an Irish designer and it's just all very in keeping, which makes me happy. So unfortunately I don't have the details on the dark purple tweed that I used because I think it was a random eBay buy a couple of years ago but I will pop the details up for the um, the Debbie Bliss colourway that I used. Really enjoyed this, it was a very quick thing to knit up and I would encourage you, um, the pattern is free, I will pop the link into the show notes. If you were looking to try a very basic knitted lace shawl that would be quick and not too demanding, I think this is just the perfect pattern for you. If you're looking to increase your knitting expertise, then this is a nice one to go with. It didn't take me very long at all to do, and it's a 10 row pattern repeat with very simple stitches. It's not too intricate. Um, and it, like I say, it just works up in no time, and they've given three different ways that you can work the pattern. So you can do it with a wavy edge, you can do it all in one color, you can do it in two separate colors. And I went for um, eight repeats of the lace pattern and then I went for the non-wavy two-coloured edging. And it's just beautiful, it's lovely and soft as well. It felt like quite harsh wool when I started working with it. I definitely knew it was running through my fingers, but I washed it and blogged it and it's really lovely and soft. And it's just a perfect shawl depth and length for me it um i don't like them when they're just too bulky and i just you know snuggled up it's lovely and warm but because it's got the lace in it it's not just one great big dense piece of fabric so loving this and it, to be honest it's not a pattern that i normally would have gone for but because it was part of the knit along and I wanted to show my support for Laura and Deirdre, I um, I did something that was outside of my normal zone of comfort and so pleased that I did and I've used up another load of stash yarn in the making including the Debbie Bliss Donegal stuff that I had was, I don't know where on earth I got that from because I don't have anything else, I don't have any other colours of it in my stash, it was just this one random ball I might have got it from a yarn swap or something. So I've used up most of that now as well. So 
very, very pleased. And another FO. It's ridiculous the amount that I've got through. I think I think I must have been, I must have been crafting my sleep. Because I can't, now that I see it all here on the table, I'm trying to quickly go through it all. I can't quite believe that I've done that much. So the next one that I've done, and there's more, is my cobbled streets cowl, which is part of the Tunisian crochet along. I used the Wool Kitchen, her 50-50 merino and silk mix for this, and the colourway is um, denim. And it's got really beautiful mid-blue tones going to much darker um, shades of the blue, so it really does have that almost like a stonewashed denim effect in it. Really lovely and soft, and this blocks very nicely. And this is the first ever project that I had done with Tunisian crochet. It's not perfect, but I was learning. Um, it definitely is wider at the beginning than it was at the end, but actually I managed to block that out, no problem. I did have a little wonky bit where I'd done something weird with the end stitches. I couldn't be bothered to frog it all the way back, and so I just tucked it under and sewed it in, and he wouldn't know. He really wouldn't know. Um, and I did, I think, seven pattern repeats because I'd moved up to a five, five and a half mil hook size whereas the pattern calls for a four but I'm quite tight on my tension and so I felt that with the length that I had that was absolutely perfect and to be honest I probably could have gone down to six pattern repeats if, I, if I'd wanted to but I'm really happy with this. Um, if you're new to Tunisian, cal, uh, Tunisian crochet, even if you don't want to be part of the cal, I learned an awful lot by doing this pattern and it is a free pattern by Sol Renkeret. She's on Ravelry as a designer. It taught me a lot about Tunisian simple stitch and Tunisian knit stitch and the repetitive nature of it was really helpful. But because it changes every few rows, it didn't feel like there wasn't enough going on with it. You know, in some patterns you can think, enough already, I'm done with just doing the same thing again and again and again. Cobbled streets isn't like that. Um, so it's a, it's a really good one to test yourself out on with Tunisian crochet. And I now, you know, truly feel like having done um, <clears throat> cobbled streets and Ocaso, and they both use the same two stitches, I feel like I've got a really sound basis on Tunisian crochet now and I would be ready to move up to the next level of pattern. Um, I'm chuffed about that and I know lots of other people within the group that have been doing the cal feel the same way that it's really helped to develop their skills. Next one is a total beast. I only have, yeah, I only have two more efforts to go. Um, you may remember in my game of stash bingo, I pulled out the big heavy random yarn that I bought at Wonderful Wales a couple of years ago and I decided to make a big ass rug with it. I love it. I had hand dyed some of the skeins and I held them double so you get this lovely gradient effect going from the cream of the natural undyed yarn and wool right the way through to a beautiful deep sea turquoise blue. I mentioned that I did the Continental and Feral Knitting Workshop on Friday 
and I made an entire hat just doing continental knitting. Now when we started, the session started at 10 in the morning and Juliet said it will take until lunchtime to do the 10 rows of rib. And I was like, I was really sceptical about it, thinking it's not going to take me until lunchtime to do 10 rows of rib. And then I started with continental knitting. Now the knit stitch is absolutely fine, but the pearl, continental pearl, is horrendous. It's very, very slow going when you're starting out. I mean, Juliet was doing it and she was whizzing through it. She was very, very speedy, um, but I wasn't. And it took me until lunchtime to do 10 rows of two by two rib, which is fairly ridiculous. But it is another finished object in the pile. Really nice design. It's one of Juliet's own and I got most of it, maybe about two thirds of it done during the workshop itself. And then I finished it off yesterday to try and again cement the technique in my mind so that I've got continental knitting under my belt and therefore it will affect my, hopefully positively affect my crocheting skills which I mentioned earlier, it really has. So when I've been doing the um, Ocaso, the um, Tunisian crochet shawl, what I've been doing is keeping the yarn in my right hand for the row and then changing to yarn in my left hand for the return pass. And I'm about, I reckon about twice as fast doing my return pass with the yarn in my left hand as I was with the yarn in my right. So what what this course has done and what making this hat has done is given me the wherewithal to know when it's going to be best for me to use yarn in my left hand and when it's going to be best for me to use yarn in my right hand. And that is why the episode is called Old Dog New Tricks because I am most definitely an old dog with a new trick up my sleeve. It's up there. For the rest of my days I will now be able to finally hold yarn in my left hand. And get faster at it. That is it on the FO marathon. For those that are listening, because of course if you're viewing you've managed to see it all on YouTube, but for those that are listeners there will be photos of all of this stuff up on the show notes and um, so you can go and have a look and see what I have been up to and also you'll get links to any of the yarns and patterns that I've used. Moving on to Feeding the habit. Now there are two key factors to that this this episode round. One is that I went to Edinburgh Art Festival, and two is that I signed up for Fibre Share. So, um, as you're well aware, it's very well documented. I am not buying yarn in twenty seventeen unless it is for some design work, and so that was definitely part of my thinking when I went to Edinburgh. A few months back I met up with um, a lady called Emma who is Twinkle Mouse on Instagram and she was telling me about Fibershare and what a wonderful idea it was. And basically it's a small group of people and you pay them $7 and they will link you up with somebody else either more local to you, so within the same country or globally depending on which box you tick and they've then set you up with two partners, one of whom you send a package to and the other you receive a package from. And 
that yes, I'm not buying yarn, but I did sign up to Fibershare, partly because I was very intrigued to see what it was like and what you would get as um, as a, a partner receiving and what you could pull together that would be a lovely package to send to somebody. So I have a partner who is in Australia that I need to send a package to and I've just about finished. I've got a couple of little things that I want to make and then her package will be heading off. And I think what I'll do is take a photo of it all and then I'll share that on the podcast next time round so you can see the types of things that you might receive from a Fibershare partnership. And the person that I was linked up with is Rachel, who um, is running Stitcher on Instagram. And we've been talking for ages now on Instagram. So when she came through as one of my partners, we were both really, really pleased about it. Even better, I, uh, the announcement came out on the Sunday and on the Saturday I met her at Edinburgh Yard Festival. Now she's based in Zurich in Switzerland, so my parcel's coming over from Switzerland and then the one that I'm sending is going to Australia and I just, I love this whole global connectivity that Fibershare brings and you get to see what comes from a, a different area. And I think I'd said all my information just that I love local wool, I love to see what's produced within an area, that I don't need it to be super soft merino, that you know I like more characteristic um, or characterful yarns are t- tend to be where I head to and last week my box from Rachel arrived and what a box I will show you a photo with everything in it because I just I can't go through it all because there's just so much of it but I'll pull out some of the header things and what Rachel did was really focused in on things that were local to her well I've kicked this up already because it's going to become a pair of um, socks, so beautiful um, load of yarn ready for socks and it is 75% wool, 25% polyamide and this is, um, let me get the details on it, it's from a company called, <laughs> it's essentially Wunderwolle so Wonder Wool, which I think is hilarious given that I'm gearing up for Wonder Wool. So this might have to be my sanity project for when when I just need a little break and I need to sit in a corner and do some crafting. These might have to become my Wonder Wool socks. <laughs> and the um, colourway is called Blumenweiser, which I'm guessing Blumen is... I'm not even going to guess. Weiser is white, that's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop trying to translate because who am I kidding? So that was one of the um, cakes that I received and the idea is that you get at least 200 grams of yarn or fibre depending on what your preference is. So this is the other 100 gram scheme that Rachel sent me through and it's a really beautiful set of sea green colours, really gorgeous. And that is 70% silk and 30% sea cell. Now I don't know anything about sea cells. I'm I'm going to have to look that up. This is so soft and luxurious feeling and this comes from um, Canton which is really close to where Rachel lives in Zurich. I just, I love this idea that she's specifically gone out and bought as much stuff that's local to her as she can including some alpaca um, in a beautiful mustard colour and a beautiful blue. I think she'd been following my Instagram feed. 
<laughs> These are so my colours and it's so soft, it's absolutely gorgeous. I, I wish I could smoosh them down the wires to you so you could feel how lovely and soft these are. Um, these were from, um, again from Canton in Zurich and it's from an alpaca farm and she bought them at uh, an alpaca show actually um, just not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago so I'm a very happy uh, recipient of this yarn, it's just incredible and all sorts of other little bits and pieces she'd given me mini skeins from her stash including some from um, Wolf and Schaffler uh, another lady that has a podcast and dyes yarn and I've been looking to get my hands on some of her yarn for quite some time so I'm really I'm really chuffed to have some Wolf and Schaffler and also another one with a silk mix so lovely to have bits that have come from Rachel's stash which um, it's nice to know that from Zurich over to Cheshire in England there's uh, another project going to be made with the same little mini skeins of yarn and also some fibre that her daughter had picked out and Rachel wasn't sure what she's going to do with it so she's given me some. So um, yeah I'll be having a, a play with some fibre as well which I think rather than me spinning I might pull into um, a needle felting project instead. And all sorts of other little bits and pieces including the card that she sent in you actually plant up and the seeds that are inside the paper will give me basil and rocket plants so I will be planting these up. I deliberately, deliberately haven't done it yet because I wanted to show it off on the podcast at the moment. So here's what I did buy at Edinburgh. Some of, it, um, some of it was bought and some of it was given to me for design work. Um, so I've already spoken a, a little bit about it so I won't go into a massive amount of detail but the new Devonia from John Arbin. This is where I made a beeline for. Um, this was the first stall that I went and bought yarn from because the colours are just beautiful. Um, and as you know, it's 100% Devon and this is £15 for 100 grams. And I got five of the colours, including the amber colour that um, that I've also provided photos for. So this is going to be for two or three different projects. The bag is one and there's also a shawl idea that I already had ready to go and I just needed to define which colours would work best for the shawl design. Um, love, love Devonia um, and I've already emailed Julia back to say it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I just I can't get enough of it um, and I'm really enjoying working with it. So, yay for John Arden Textiles and Devonia. Now one of the things I did was I took up shortbread, homemade shortbread and chocolate cake. And if I saw a, sta a stall holder that I really love or somebody who I came across that was really engaging and I thought they were just, they were flagging a bit and needed a bit of a sugar boost, then they, they got offered some cake or some shortbread and ads did um, podcast listeners and watchers so there was there was much cakey and shortbready goodness coming from me and um, I got an email back from Juliet the other day just saying I'm still thinking about your chocolate cake 
But yeah, I love you know you've done something right when somebody will email you like two weeks later and say it was really nice, thank you very much. So I think this is going to become a thing whereby I go to a yarn festival and I take little bites of sustenance for the if I'm not vending at it then the other stall holders can I'll keep them going, keep their sugar levels up and look after them. Which is incidentally why my Ravelry name is Ma Dashbar. Like it probably makes me sound like I'm a proper old crone. <laughs> um, my Ravelry name is Ma Dashbar because one of my nicknames is Ma Dashbar because I look after people. That's what I do. I always make sure that everybody has got everything that they could ever possibly need and that they're comfortable and fed and watered and warm and that that is me. So my friends call me Ma Dashbar because I'm generally the mother of the group that makes sure that everything is just tickety-boo. So hence Ma Dashbar on Ravelry and yeah, various other places as well. So that was the John Arvin stuff. So two designs. I've probably got enough yarn to do a third design but um, by the time I got there on the Saturday morning the Devonia stocks were well down and I was I did get a bit grabby, I was a bit like I've, I want it all but I didn't buy all of the colours so when I put the pictures up in the show notes I will show you the full range of colours um, and if you're going to a yarn show and John and Julieta want to be there um, go and have a squish it's got it's got luster in it because of the Wensley Dales. It's just it's a really nice yarn. Um loved working with that. And then the other one that you've seen that I've already done a uh, design for was the well seen and heard about was the Iona wool. Um really beautiful stand. These guys are new to it. It was the first time that I think that they'd done a show like that and you know what a whopper of a show to start with to go into Edinburgh. Um, I'm probably going to take that cowl to Wonderwall so if you wanted to have a squish of the Iona yarn, their wool, um, I'll have it there and you can come and have a squish of it at Wonderwall and I may have knitted up a version by that point as well. She says, uh, the list of stuff that I have to do is as long as my arm. Um, then the other one that I, and I was, I was going to pay for this and Tanya said, um, no, and uh, so I bought something else from her instead. Is a new wool that Tanya TG Frog has created, and it's just lovely. And I love the concept behind it as well. So the wool is called Shorelines and Strata, and it's a four ply, one hundred grams, three hundred and fifty meters. Um, and it's one hundred percent wool, and it's a mixture of Paul Dorset specifically sourced from Dorset which is where Tanya grew up and has moved from and Hebridean specifically sourced from the Isle of Skye which is where Tanya now lives and then she's had it spun in Britain and I'm fairly sure it was the natural fibre company that spun this for her so it's got a really nice twist on it as you would expect from the natural fibre company and it's called limestone this shade is limestone this is a new venture for Tanya it's not something that she has done before but she you know she has a yarn based company with her dorset buttons and um, under TG Frog and she came up with this concept to do the yarn and it's got such lovely tonal shifts of the the grey in it and a sheepy smell which is always good 
and um, I have two skeins of this, of the four ply, and I have a shawl design ready in my head for this as well. I'm still kind of, it's still mutating. <laughs> I, I have an idea of the um, stitch features that I want for it, and then it's just the overall shape that I want to pull out um, for this yarn. And Tanya is going to be, I think her next show is Woolfest in Cumbria, which is in June. So ideally what I want to do is have the design set and ready for them so that I can go and take it to Tanya and show her how her yarn crochets up and how it looks. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a definite timeline on that. You will see this in the very near future in the podcast. So thank you, Tanya, for that, for um, giving me that yarn. And again, I will properly review that yarn once I've worked with it and I can do a proper feedback on it. The reviews go up on Instagram under hashtag TCC Yarn Review. And by the time you watch and listen to this, I will have definitely loaded them up onto Ravelry as well. Now, the other thing that Tanya had been working on, because she gave me the yarn and wouldn't accept money for it, so instead I bought one of her project bags. Now, Tanya has taken a photo of a load of her dorset buttons and then she sent it off to have it printed onto fabric, which I believe was made in Scotland, woven in Scotland. And then she's had the bags handmade in Britain. So this is a 100% British um, product and project bag. And I bought the medium size with the zipper and nice little inner lining as well. I, I love it. It's a perfect for me, perfect um, sock bag. And it was a nice way of me being able to, well, one, I want it because it's a lovely bag. And also it was a nice way of still being able to legitimately buy something from um, from Tanya and have a nice memento of Edinburgh Arm Festival. It's really nicely lined, amazing quality um, fabric. And I just love the idea that it's got Tanya's dorset buttons all over it. Yeah, she definitely converted me to dorset buttons when I met her for the first time last year. And if you ever see Tanya at a show or a festival, go and say hello. She is just one of the loveliest people that I have ever come across. She's always smiley and upbeat and happy. And oh, she's just like, she's a little ray of sunshine. So if you need, if you need cheering up, go and buy some stuff from Tanya because it's all sourced from as close to her as she can, certainly British and um, she has great sets from Weekend Dorset Buttons and bits and pieces and yeah, she's just lovely. You will, you will walk away from Tanya's stand feeling brighter and happier. So there were two other bits and pieces that I got from um, Edinburgh Arm Festival that come under um, Feeding the Habit. The first one was the 50 grams from Clarissa Beth of the Crochet Cakes podcast on YouTube. Um, that was the naturally dyed one with avocado stones that I'd already made the socks in and talked about them during the finished objects. Um, and the other is a 10 gram skein of yarn which is dyed by Catherine of the Crafting Room Treats podcast. Now I've not tried Catherine's yarn before and I actually hoped that I would have done something with this 
before I recorded, but as you saw from my FO pile, I didn't quite get to it because I had lots of other stuff that I was going through. This is 95% um, Romney lamb's wool, and that's from a farm in the Cheddar Gorge. And the other is 5% Shetland from a farm near Inverness. And it's one of the things that Catherine has come to in the last year or so. Um, I talked to her about it briefly when um, I saw her at Yarndale last year. And she's really got into the idea of British wool and the provenance of knowing where her wool comes from. And I think she works quite closely with a very specific mill that does a great job on sourcing different breeds of British yarns and um, spinning them quite locally to her. Um, so this is a fingering weight two ply but actually it's a bit more like a kind of somewhere between a four ply and a sport weight I would say. Um, and I would encourage you to have a look at what Catherine's got. She runs it through an Etsy shop and she has got such a lovely sense of colours and the way that she will pull colours together. Um, I've just nipped out to make coffee and had a quick scan through Instagram and she's just popped up a photo of a shawl that somebody had made using her yarn. I think it might have been the Snowmelt shawl and it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, so I'll provide the link, have a look at Catherine's yarn because like rest assured it's British, the provenance is good and she can tell you exactly where each of the wools have come from. And like I say, her colours are just really nicely pulled together. So I'm going to use this 10 grams is enough for me to make a headband with. Um, if I mix it in with um, another yarn or two, then I'll be able to make a decent sized headband for when I'm out doing my walks when it's a bit chillier in the winter. Um, like I say, I'd hoped to have had that done by now, but I can't do everything. Um, so by the next podcast, I'm hoping that this will be done and I'll be able to show you how it looks um, once it's actually been crocheted up. It's really beautiful, it's so nice and soft. And the colours are just gorgeous. So yeah, I shall be playing with that one in the coming weeks. And that's it for feeding the habit. It's not too bad. That was all right, considering there was a mega yarn show in there. Um, now, one of the things that I did want to mention about Edinburgh, other than the fact of never do it like I did it, is I have learned my lesson. And I think Edinburgh Yarn Festival is going to be over, as in the marketplace is going to be on the Thursday, Friday and Saturday next year. I filled in an online survey and they were talking about it being a three-day event. Definitely going ahead, but they don't yet know which weekend it is. And I've already discussed with a few people the idea that I'm going to book up some accommodation. Um, I've got six, seven, I think eight of us already lined up. And the accommodation that I found has actually got two attached flats. So what I'm thinking is about, um, and this isn't part of the business, this is just me trying to connect people together and pull people together. If any of you are planning on coming to Edinburgh Yarn Festival, then I'm looking to book really nice self-catering accommodation for the Thursday and Friday night. So you could go to the show then if you wanted to, 
on the Thursday, Friday and Saturday, but we would only stay over on the Thursday and Friday night. And like I say, I found a, a really nice place that we could stay. And you could either do it whereby you have a room to yourself, in, case, in which case you would pay for that room, or you could double up with somebody. And I would, I would do all of that organisation and you could um, come over and do Edinburgh for a couple of days. And the idea is that we might go and do something on the Thursday night or have a chill out or hit a bar and, and go and have a bit of a, a crochet session or, you know, whatever craft you do. But the idea is that there could be quite a nice group of us all going to Edinburgh Yarn Festival together. So if you're if you're interested in that, let me know. I'm probably going to start a thread on it in Ravelry because I suspect in the next two to three months they will announce what the dates are for Edinburgh Yarn Festival. And when that happens, I need to already know in advance how many people are going to want to come and whether I need to book one or two of the places for the accommodation. But it would be so, I love this idea of having um, like a group of crochet circle folk all hitting Edinburgh Yarn Festival together and maybe doing some of the other yarn shops as well, um, going to the castle, just having a, a really nice yarny weekend in Edinburgh. Having learned my lessons from last two years, I'm definitely going up and I'm definitely staying for two nights. So do you want to come and join me? The other people that have got an interest in coming are um, people that you would have heard me talk about on the podcast. Lynn is one of them. So if you've watched the podcast for a while, so Lynn that I um, was originally doing the podcast with, she's coming. Bex, you saw her big blanket. Um, Jenny Jenakins, my um, best friend, is looking to come up. Um, Jill from Will Gathering, who did the solar socks, she's looking to come up as well. Um, Martine from Will Gathering, I think, is looking to come up too. And then um, I've already kind of started to talk about this and some other crochet circle folk have said that they might be interested. So let me know and I'll see how much accommodation I can book up. Edinburgh 2018. It's ridiculous that I'm talking about that already, but you have to because the accommodation just disappears and you can't get in for love nor money because um, it's such a busy, well-respected show. So I'll get on it. So I've got some corkers for you on Big Up. And each of them I've actually talked about within the process of the podcast already this time round. The first one is all in and. And there are two elements to this Big Up. All in and is run by Laura and Deirdre who are based in Ireland and they have got a magazine called All in and Magazine and All in is O-L-E-N-N. The magazine is free of charge and it's web based and it is a wealth of information and patterns and yarn reviews. It's really incredible that they're able to put this out free of charge. What I particularly love about what they do um, is that they then back it up with a podcast as well, which goes out on YouTube. And if you search Olin, O-L-A-N-N, and podcast on YouTube, you will find their podcast. So whatever they're talking about in the podcast is reflective of what's coming up in the magazine or what has just come out in the magazine. And they very much focus in on crafting in Ireland and the 
different materials that are available from Ireland, the different makers, the different pattern writers. It's not just exclusively on Irish stuff, but that is the dominant factor of what it is that they're doing. It's really some of the stuff that they're able to find and highlight is incredible. So if you're interested in um, specifically seeing what's happening within the Irish craft community, I would point you towards All and Land, the magazine and the podcast. Now the podcast is the feed of them and they are a couple of loons. They are hilarious. I love watching them. They make me laugh, they make me smile and they've got great patterns and when they do a yarn review, they really do a yarn review. Laura used to own a yarn shop um, so she, she knows yarn inside out as does Deirdre and they're just, they're great fun. If you need to pick me up, All and And podcast is a really nice place to go to and have a look at their magazine. I'll provide the links for both so you can see what it is that I'm talking about. Um, also, you heard me talk about Tanya, and Tanya has started her own podcast. She's got two episodes out so far. She's also a monthly podcaster, and her episodes are about an hour and an hour and 15 long. Tanya now lives in Skye, and she's got such a lovely way about her. She's very calming, um, very informative, and again, she's um, she's talking about her own makes and what she does, but also talking about things like the weather and sky and what's happening in sky. And she does interviews with local crafters in on the Isle of Sky as well. So really nice again to have this geographical identity and to get to know a little bit more about what's going on in a very specific area. Um, she is predominantly a knitter but also crochets and of course she makes her dorset buttons. She posts the most amazing photos on Instagram and also as part of her podcast content. And it's it's about her life and the view from her house and it's, it's just beautiful. So again, if you want a bit of inspiration and you want to see a little bit of the islands of Scotland, um, have a look at what Tanya is up to. Really nice audio podcast, which you can get from her website which is www.tgfrog.co.uk and again I'll pop that into the show notes. And the final one that I've got for you on Big Up is that Chrissy Crafts is running a stitch along which I thought might be something a little bit different and something that some of the listeners and viewers might be interested in. Um, Chrissy crochets but she also does the most beautiful embroidery and she's set up a series of YouTube tutorials um, that run alongside her YouTube podcast and she's teaching you all how to do a really beautiful herb embroidery. I'm going to do this because as I said I like supporting other podcasters and doing their podcasters and designers and doing their um, crochet alongs, knit alongs and I'm going to do a stitch along as well. I found some of my other embroidery threads the other day and then I saw Chrissy's um, podcast where she introduced the concept of the stitch along and I thought, haha, I know what I'm going to do with that. So I have a, a drawstring, calico drawstring bag and um, not dissimilar to the John Arbin textiles ones and I'm actually going to embroider the herb um, design onto that. Um, her YouTube tutorials are really informative, how you transfer the patterns 
onto the fabric that you want to use. She'll be taking you through the different stitches. Um, if you're interested in doing the stitch along, then you need to go to Chrissy's YouTube channel, which is called Chrissy Crafts, and you'll get all of the tutorials from there. And she's also running a hashtag on Instagram, which is hashtag Herb Embroidery SAL, and SAL stands for Stitch Along. So we're pretty much done. I'm just going to leave you with a, a what's good, which is for the last 18 months, really, I haven't been out in my garden. We've got a garden that surrounds our house, 360 degrees, and I haven't been out there. I put a lot of effort into it about three, four years ago, and it was looking beautiful. It's full of wildlife, full of bees, full of insects, full of birds. You can always hear them chirping in the podcast. Every time I edit, I can hear the birds chirping away. And then last year, I didn't manage to do anything in the garden, and it was like a flaming jungle. And I was finding it quite... Um, quite depressing actually because I had so much guilt attached to the fact that I hadn't been out in the garden and I agreed with Matthew that we were going to get a team in to come and deal with it and bring it back up to the level that it should be at and they've been in all week and I've got my garden back and that's what's good. So I have, I do have a busy month coming up because of Wonderful Wales and we've got a weekend away as well and um, so if you don't see me as much on Instagram or Ravelry all as well, there are no issues, it's just that I am head down getting ready for a yarn show. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed it, and um, I will be back with you in a month's time. Bye bye. Thank you. Don't tell me what episode number I'm on. 20? Is it episode 20? What a professional podcaster I am. <coughs> right. One. Crochet. Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 15 and it is called Old Dog. Is it going to be one of those days? Am I just going to have to re-record everything? Come on. In the last session of recording, Matthew went out and in his car, didn't tell me where he was going because he didn't want to, well I'm guessing he didn't want to stop the recording, but he's locked me out of the house. I haven't got house keys out here, I'm out in my office, I haven't got house keys. He's locked me out and my phone is in the house as well. So I'm kind of stuck here, I've got a small amount of coffee left. I have got my projects but I can't, I can't contact him and I can't get into the house. And I need a pee. And I don't know where he's gone and how long he's going to be. Stupid bloody husband. I love him but he's locked me out. I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot. 
And when I came to do my Okaso shall my Do you think fennel tea tongues your tongues your tongue? <laughs> do you think <laughs> fennel tea tongues your tongue? 